I want to talk to you tonight uh, about a, a very oft used, quoted uh, passage of scripture that usually is quoted without any thought for what it's saying. There's not a, a uh, there's not a, a, a mistake about what it's saying. Don't get, don't get that wrong. Uh, it's just that we don't really go deep into some scriptures. Before I do that, let me say that uh, I think uh, I've been in a lot of churches and with a lot of youth groups, but this is a sharp-looking bunch of bibbers down here tonight. Amen? Amen. I was met as I came in the door by a couple of teenage girls, and they were all excited, and they said, this is a wonderful idea. They said, man, this is good. We like this. And uh, so I can see it right now. You're going to have to have a special day every once in a while, and I don't know. Bib night on Wednesday, all right, all right. Now let me uh, let me say thank you to you all for letting me come. There's not very many folks my age that have an opportunity to come and and travel from church to church, and I don't take that lightly. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm blessed here. I'm home here, and uh, I love love you all so much, and and just want you to know that. I don't count it a, a, a little thing to be able to come back to Ten Mile and, and preach because uh, you all are one of the finest churches I know of anywhere, and uh, I count you as my family, and so thank you for letting me be here again. Having said that, I'm going to give you a title. It's the craziest title you've ever heard for a message. If you have heard one that's crazier, you let me know, and I'd love to hear it, but... It's this, fill the shaker and pay the power bill. Fill the shaker and pay the bill. Anybody have any idea what I'm going to be preaching about? Didn't think so. No honest nor informed person can say that this world is not growing darker each and every day. If you're staying informed, you know that's happening. Now, people might find a degree of comfort and satisfaction in this present condition, but intelligence would dictate that observing this amount of deterioration uh, in, in our society at large, is, it's slowly adding to the demise of society, but the church, as we know it, is suffering right alongside that. You're not aware of that as much as some folks are, and let me tell you why. Because you're in a great church, and you're in an area where, uh, you know, they say the, the Bible belt and the buckle is back where I live in Missouri, but I'd almost argue with them that uh, some of the, the best preachers you ever heard and, and, and some of the finest folks in the world are Christian people are right around this area. And... Uh, so I, I would put you up against the, the, the Bible belt, so to speak, and say that they need to move it this way just a little bit. There's a lot of light here. There's a lot of light because there's a lot of Christian people who are making sure that the light is shining. 
Now, darkness is dependent upon the absence of light. And uh, darkness doesn't exist at all where the light is shining bright. The Christians control the amount of light that's in their present world. I don't know if you've ever really considered this, but you can control what this county and other counties around you are like simply by how much light that you're letting shine. Now, I'll add to that that there are some lost people still in this county and counties around here. And I might also let you know tonight that people cannot understand what they cannot see. And they cannot see if there's not adequate light. Are you all following me? You, you, you will in a moment, I promise you. If you use these same points of argument as I intend to do, you can pretty quickly see that our purpose for being here in this world is to preserve this sin-sick world until Jesus ushers in his kingdom. The devil would have this thing destroyed tomorrow if he had his choice. But Jesus said that as long as he was in the world, he was the light of the world. Now stay with me and keep that in mind. Remember the first service when I came the other day and I read a passage about the light of the world and said you need to mark that down and remember it? And it was for this purpose. When Jesus spoke about light, he also spoke about salt. And he said when the salt can no longer do what it's designed to do, then it's good for nothing but to be cast out and be the trodden underfoot of, God, of, of, of mankind, I guess you might say, just uh, like uh, gravel on a road almost. That's what he says about salt that has lost its savor. By now you should know that I'm talking from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 following, where it says something about salt and light. Now, uh, hopefully, when we get finished here tonight, there'll be more light, and you'll be a little bit more salty. You'll fill the shaker, and pay the power bill, and I'll show you how you might be able to do that. The Bible says you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith will it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, I saw a man on TV just recently that had solar power in his house, and I don't know how this works. You'd have to ask Dave Johnson to really get the, the scoop on this. But his grid was so proficient, the way I understood it, he produced more than he could use. So he had some sort of an agreement with the power company and some kind of equipment that 
uh, he, when he got an excess, I guess it got into the, the company stuff. I don't know how it did that, but nonetheless, it allowed him to automatically uh, uh, switch the system to flowing into that institutional power grid instead of storage in, in his house. Now, when that happened, this is what I understood. I don't know how much solar power you have to have to do this, but it said that the overage that he produced, he was credited for, so in some times he was, he was being paid more than he ever spent in order to, to, to you know, do this solar power thing. Now, if we are the salt and the light of the world, and we are expected not only to be a preservative in this world until the Lord comes, and we are also the light of the world, then we're left with trying to figure out how this works. Because you see, first of all, Jesus said, as long as he was in the world, he was the light of the world. But a little later on, he says something regarding us. Let's read first of all, though, from John 8, verse 12. Then spoke Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, he said his followers would not walk in darkness, but would have the light of life. But then he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Again, John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, that makes it plain to me. As long as he's in this world, he said, then he's the light. But where is he tonight? We talked about that the other night. He's at the right hand of the Father. And what he has told us is this. Now we are the light of the world. The way Jesus affected the world is how he expects his church, the light of the world, to carry on its, its affairs, carry on its business. For some reason... Some folks are just not paying the power bill. But we're not going to start there. We're going to start instead with the salt. I want to just make some simple statements with you at, 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 and hope at least that the light will shine and your very nature will preserve this world like God intended. I'm really hoping that this little old sermon tonight, I didn't say short, I said little, this little old sermon tonight will change your concept of how much effect you have on this world with your life and, and what you have to do to have that effect. Wouldn't you uh, think that God would be pleased if this church affected this area, this whole area, in such a way that sin was reduced greatly because of your light? Wouldn't it be something that, that all of a sudden we got our savor back we became very salty, if you, if you will, and, and we started uh, affecting this world by our presence here. That would be an awesome thing. But I have to start with a negative tonight. Will you let me do that? Sure you will, because I'm going to anyway. We're not salty enough to fulfill our purpose. I don't think that that's happening right now. As much as I love you and as much as I, as I brag on you everywhere I go, I want you to know 
that I've never been in a church yet that has been as salty as it needs to be. Now, I told you the world was getting dark, but I also want you to know that the world is rotting. Day by day, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. It's not going to let up. You see, when, when you look at the liberal mindset, there is no stopping point. No matter what you get to, there's always something else out there you've got to reach for and stretch toward and change something else. So you're never going to have a time when you have peace with that sort of mindset. The world is rotting away because of the lack of salt. Now, I learned a long time ago that salt will keep things from rotting. If you're not too affected by gory illustrations, let me give you another one. When I was quite young, uh, as a matter of fact, I was young enough, I had just gotten married. Sherry and I had gotten married, and I had been a, an insurance salesman for a while, and and uh, I had a briefcase. She thought I had money. Boy, did I fool her. Amen. But anyway, it was, uh, that I carried that thing with me everywhere. And the next thing I knew, I was realizing that it was not steady income like it needed to be. And so I got a job at Petroff Packing Company in Benton. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever worked in a packing company or not. But let me tell you what happens when the cows are killed. One of the first things they do once that cow is is stripped of its hide, is they take the hide over to a hole. And by the way, a cow hide is heavy, especially one that's full of blood and, and you know what I'm talking about, right? It's kind of gory. And so somebody is down in a hole, and they drop that hide down in the hole. And you've got a shovel, and you've got a bucket of salt, a big bucket of salt. You drag it around with you, and you take that little shovel and you stick it in there and you, you flip the hide over and, and, and put it down on, on a bed of salt. And then you salt the other side for the next hide to, to lay down on. I did that probably because of bad behavior, but anyway, they put me in that room one day and the, the fellows down there like to play around, you know. So every once in a while, when you'd be all bent over putting salt on the, the, the former hide, somebody would think it was funny and drop one right down on top of your head. You, you, you don't know how fast that will make you look like you've been in an accident. And so uh, I, I was down there, sweaty, tired, all this sort of stuff, and I decided just to stop. Pretty soon the boss came down there, and he said, what's going on? I said, uh, well, look at me. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of this. I said, they're playing games up there, and, and what do I have to put all this salt on this stuff for anyway? I knew nothing about that. The answer sort of got to me. He said, well, we sell those hides. And he said, if you don't put the salt on, we can't sell them. And I said, how does that work? Very carefully, he explained to me. He said, if you don't put the salt on there, the rotting process will start before they ever get to the, the buyer. And when that happens, you can't hardly stop it. So those hides have to have salt or they rot. They cannot fulfill their purpose. You're living in a world tonight that needs some salt. It's rotting every minute of every day. It gets a little worse and a little worse and a little worse. And we, we see it happening slowly. And because it's happening slowly, we don't see the effect that it's having on our world, on your county, on, on, on what kind of world these kids are going to have whenever they get to the adult 
part of their lives. You see, for some reason, we, we can't grasp that living creatures deteriorate quickly if they're not preserved in some manner after their demise. And you know what I believe? I believe that this world, and including the young people around you all over the place, are really facing a, a, a terrible fate if we don't get a little bit more salty. Amen? I think we need a little put of salt. I'm sorry, I got that backwards. Put a little salt in the shaker. These bibs will make you speak backwards sometimes. I didn't know if you knew that. Now, I, I think, I don't think anyone in this room intentionally said, I'm not going to fill the shaker. The world can get, a, get along without my salt. But that would be because you don't realize how important your salt really is. You see, one, one person that's, that's not really prepared for this world to, 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 to preserve it the way God wants it preserved can do all sorts of harm just by their pattern of behavior. And, and, and as long as it's like that, uh, we're not being the salt of the earth. You see, he has declared us to be the salt of the earth, but we haven't refilled enough. So our shakers have become pretty much empty. I had some argument one time about that. You may be arguing with me in spirit right now, and you say, well, Brother John, we're pretty salty. Well, let me give you another off-the-wall illustration. I'm a dialysis patient, all right? And so sometimes, uh, if, if, I, if I gain too much weight, which I've done this week already, I've gained 11 pounds since I've been here, and it's not from eating that much. It really is fluid retention. And unless, unless it's like that, I don't have to, to watch my salt. But when it gets that way, I've got every kind of critter you can imagine in a cabinet at home. I, I've got seasonings that you cannot believe. I've got every kind of salt you can believe. I've got pink salt and Himalayan salt, and you, you, I've got it. Now, you, if you can find it on the shelf and I don't have it, please tell me what it is and I'll go get me some. So my point is this. Why is that all up there? It's salt substitutes. We have become a people who are substituting something else for what God really demands us to have. We think somehow that if we live a clean life ourselves, that that alone suffices. But it doesn't. We get in our heads that if we live a religious life, that suffices, but it doesn't. There's not anything that will suffice except the real thing. Have you ever heard of light salt? How many of you ever heard of light salt? I've checked it out. You can, you can get a, a little shaker of, of light salt and re regular salt, and they weigh the same. I don't know why they call it light salt. But no, yes, I do, really. But nonetheless, here, here's what I want you to know about that kind of salt. Light salt is 50% table salt. It is sodium chloride, but only 50%. Salt substitutes are usually 100% of potassium chloride. Neither of them have the qualities needed for proper preservation and life maintenance. 
Neither of them have what you need. They're just a substitute. Now, I know that's not as profound as you think it ought to be, but listen to me carefully. That is precisely who the church has become. Light, salt, Christians. When you won't give everything and empty the shaker and, and then refill and empty and refill the way that you ought to, you just carry around this little thing of light salt and you say, well, Lord, I'm doing my very best. No, that's not what the Lord wants. Now listen to me carefully. A lot of believers have just enough flavor to keep from being useless. Have you already taken up the offering? Then I'm going to go ahead. But useless also means they lack the ability to make the world acceptable to God. That's what we're here for, to change them, to make them into professing Christians, not just professing but possessing Christians, Christians that will do something for God. Here's what I want you to hear about that. We have become palatable without being a preservative. We look salty, we act salty, but it's not always the real thing. It's not what God intends for us to do. So more of the world is spoiling each and every day. Now somewhere a baby is being born right now who will grow up not knowing right from wrong. Stay with me on this. A baby, newly born, one day will be in a world where there is no right and no wrong. And the reason is because there is no salt and no light. Right from wrong, you say, well, what do you mean? I'll tell you what you do. And you guys who are Christians, who are in youth groups and things, you, you poll your, your peers. You find out what they really do believe. Even go to school in this county, and you're going to find out that there's a lot of kids there that do not know why we, we preachers talk about homosexuality like it's sin. Already they like that. We're headed down a, a terrible, terrible path. So many young people today are confused about their gender. How in the world do you get confused about your gender? <laughs> I don't understand it. But I know this much. I know it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse unless somebody begins to shake the shaker. Unless somebody begins to speak out and say, no, that's not right. We love you, but that's not right. We want to help you, but that's not right. We're just not salty. We don't want to offend. We don't want to put salt on somebody. You know, they might get upset with us. But that's exactly what the world needs right now. They need that preservative. They need somehow to, to, to be awakened to what's going on. You know, that baby will grow up doing what seems right, what is acceptable, but it will bring death instead of life. I'm scared for that. Let me tell you why. Just recently, a national election was settled, no matter what anybody might think about it, on one issue. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Remember that? 
And no one seemed to really pay a lot of attention to that except a lot of liberal folks who made it a big deal because to them it is a big deal because already there are a whole host of people all the way up into their 40s who have never lived in a world where it was not legal to have abortion. But God had said from the beginning, it is not just a, a sin against humanity, it's a sin against God. He's, he, he has called it murder. He said that, that he knew us before we were conceived in our mother's womb. You tell me that that's not a, a child. You tell me that that's not something that, that God really intended to live. But yet, people under 40 have no idea what it's like to be in a world where that was criminal. I know full well what it was like then. And so do some of you who are a little bit older. Doctors were put in prison for one abortion. And for a long, long time. And you say, well, the society demanded the change. Listen to me carefully. I told you a while ago, society will never be satisfied. One of these days, it will become so ridiculous it already boggles the mind what some people think are all right. But one of these days it will get to the point to where you just will not be able to stand it any longer. We'll have an uprising someday. I'm not calling for one right now, but we're going to have one because it just keeps going and going and going and everything is pointing toward the devil is, is doing his best to overturn what God has started. But listen to me. You've got to understand something. God has given us the means. He's given us the know-how. He's told us how we can stop that right in his tracks. And the way you stop it is to become salty again. Not light salt, not a substitute, but the real deal. Where, where you know, you stand out in society. When you're there, you give it a little flavor, if you will. Amen? That thing that's rotting right now, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be putrid and, and smelly like it is right now. It can really be like it was when I was a little boy. It was much different. Some of you, last night I heard some kids went home and said, did he really stay in a box? In their mind they cannot conceive of playing in a box. I bet some of you don't realize I grew up without a smartphone. Amen. Yeah, you know something else that really might boggle your mind? I ate dirt. Do you know how my mother reacted to illness in the neighborhood? She'd send me down there to get it. Might as well get it and get it over with, son. Go expose yourself. I don't mean that the way it sounded. <laughs> these bibs. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> In all my life in preaching, I've never done that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, pardon? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but he... No, no. Man, talk about getting yourself off track. Whew. 
what is not right, what is not acceptable, has to be stopped. However, we Christians don't seem to think that we have a problem just now. But we do. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's where we are in our society right now. Lots of folks in the last two generations have believed that it's okay to do things that God says not to do. It says to them, God says, if it seems right, it's okay. They read the book of Romans, and especially Romans 14, in a wrong manner, and they, they, they end up saying, oh, it's okay because, you know, if, 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 uh, if I think it's okay, it's okay. If I don't think it's okay, it's not okay. Don't, don't buy into that. That's not what that thing is saying at all. It's not okay if God says it's not okay. Amen? It's plain and simple. Now, we are an essential, an essential ingredient for life. But in most cases, that ingredient is missing. I don't try to eat a lot of salt now, even though I can sometimes. And so I've tried to eat food without any seasoning at all. I want you to know that things are more palatable if they're seasoned. Amen? How many of you get your french fries and the first thing you do is replace the salt that all those companies took out of them? Amen? Put that salt shaker out there and you shake it down real good. You know why? Because it makes it taste better. And if you are the seasoning, the salt in this earth, then the world would be a lot better off if you just shake the shaker. Amen? Put a little salt out there. Now, I, I, it's like I said about those hides out there. It, it, it kept them from rotting. For sure. And you forget that, that that salt not just has the capacity to do that, but also to make things palatable, to make it taste better. And this world is really suffering from a, a, an out-of-balance system that's caused by the lack of real salt. It makes me think this, that our shakers are empty and they're in bad need of filling up. You can't argue with me, I don't think, that this world needs only salt to be preserved without considering the darkness that surrounds it. Everywhere you look, there's darkness. And the things that plague this world do their very best work in the darkness. Evil thrives in the darkness. It's kind of like this. If, if we read this right, it's not saying you should just be salt. But salt and light. The two are connected. 
they may be different in some aspects, but nonetheless, they define not only who and what we are to the world, but it separates the two like this. Light is descriptive of power. Now, I'm going to ask you a simple question here, and some of you older folks will be able to get this immediately, and some of you younger folks won't have a clue. A lot of folks refer to the power bill. But in my family, it was always called the light bill. How many of you always called it the light bill? Well, you weren't buying light. You were buying power. With me? The two were synonymous. So it's easy to see how they do that. The power to shine light in this world is available, but instead of sharing it, we've been basking in it. We've got plenty of it. There's more and more and more that's available. Because Jesus said, as long as he was in it, he was the light. He's not in it now, so that means you are the light. Listen to Matthew 5, 14. Following it says this, You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now listen to what it said. That light is there specifically so the world can see your good works. They can give God glory for what you're doing. So not only are we to be salty, we're to be pretty bright. We're supposed to be shining the light. Now, with this in mind, it becomes evident that we're kind of like that solar power deal I talked about. We're able to give out the power we get from the sun. The S-O-N. If that fella didn't get any power from the sun, he certainly couldn't put it back in the grid. Amen? I've still got the bell. He couldn't use it. You can't, you can't use it if you don't collect it, if you don't take it in. We're just basking in the sunlight but not letting the light shine in the right places. So I want to I close this tonight like this. I want you to see our problem is that darkness is going unmolested. It is not being bothered at all. And without the light of the world, darkness can do its work with ease. It doesn't have to struggle. It's able to do it because darkness allows it to do its work unheeded, unnoticed. It's just there. And it's all around us. It permeates our society everywhere you look. It is there. I guarantee you that some of these young folks sitting right down here do not remember a time when, you, when every time you turned on the television set, you heard curse words and things like that, and, we, and people just look at it like there's nothing wrong there, you know, it's in all your stuff. Oh, that, that movie there, it's all right. It only had one or two places where they got their clothes off. Only one or two places where the curse words came out. See, we, we, have, we have acquiesced to their system. What we've done is, is, is assumed that 
evil can work with impunity. There's nothing we can do about it. That's the mindset that we have. But let me tell you something, folks. We can change it. We can make a difference right now. But we've got to shine the light. Not just shake the shaker, but shine the light. And if the light shines brightly, then even evil can see its wickedness. Right now, evil things are happening and they can't see the wickedness in it. We've got to show them that that's wicked, that's wrong. You can't do that. In the county that I used to pastor in, down at Birch Tree, it's, it's called Shannon County. I did a little, little figure in one time. I got the census report and, and, and tried to find out how many, it'll show you on there how many families there are, how many of them are married couples, how many of them are living together with different names. Did, 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 would you believe that over 50% of the people who are ended up married in that county live together out of wedlock and think it's okay? Over 50%. You're looking at me like you don't believe me. I had one young man who came into the church one day. He had been living with his girlfriend. She had gotten pregnant. And he, he, was, he said, you know, we, we've prayed and asked the Lord to save us. And, and, and so, you know, we, we'd, we'd like to, to get baptized. And I said, no, you, get, you need to get married. And he said, oh, that, we don't do that in our family. I said, pardon me? We don't do that in our family. I said, how big a family you got? He said, well, my mother and father weren't married. My grandparents weren't married. None of my brothers or sisters are married. And they all live with somebody. It's just the way we do it. I want you to know Shannon County, Missouri is not an exception. But the church just waves at it, just blinks at it and says it's okay. You love people who are in sin. Listen to me, church. Love people who are in sin. Let them know that God loves them. Shine a little light on them. But for, for God's sake, do not accept it as normal. That's not normal, nor can it ever be normal. Not in the eyes of God. God calls it adultery. Whatever you want to tag it with, it is adultery. But yet, so many people say, well, that's not God's opinion. That's just yours. Well, they need to read the entire Bible, right? Amos, how many of you have got Amos in your book? Good. Look at 5.18. Woe unto you who desire the day of the Lord. For what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. You want to know if you'll be here on the day of the Lord on this earth? Absolutely not. There will be no light here at all. It goes on to say this. If a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him, or went into the house and, and leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him, shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? He is describing a world where no matter where you go, you won't realize you're getting ready to get hurt, but you get hurt everywhere you turn. And the reason is we haven't filled the shakers and we're not paying the power bill. So much is, is being taken out of it, but we're not putting anything back in the grid. We, we ought to be filling up and, and have enough left over of the light of God to spill it out into the community, spill it out into other places where there are sinners that abound. Listen, that's what our calling is. 
Revival is doing that very thing. It's getting out of a rut. It, it, it's stopping walking down a path where there's nothing but, but unending uh, lines for you. No, no way to climb out. You just get in that rut. I want you to know right now, whether you realize it or not, many Christians are in a rut. They've been doing the same thing over and over and over for so long that it just seems normal. But what we got to do is flip the switch and turn the light on, and then you'll see it's not normal at all. Well, without light, we can't even tell light from darkness. Not even us can tell. You see, we haven't taken enough time to read what his word says. Anytime you find it someplace, see what one of the other writers had to say about the same subject. Listen to Luke chapter 11 verse 33. No man when he has lighted a candle puts it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. That's another way of saying those who come in can see where they're going. Are you all listening to me? The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is single, the whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is evil... The body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in you be not darkness. If your whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle does give you light. Now that's what he says. If you are doing it right, you are going to be entirely bright. People are going to see you. They're going to know there's something different about you. I'm going to embarrass somebody right now, but it's okay. I'm really good at this. I brought a bunch of people up here one time to see the building that you all had, had built out here, the gym or whatever you want to call it. That church was getting ready to build one of those and, and use it as a multi-purpose building. And I said, I know where there's one that's just been finished, and it, I think it's really a good plan. And so... We came up to, to see it. We hadn't been in this building more than, oh, 30 seconds maybe. We came in the door out there at the front. We made three or four steps and started to turn to go down the hall. And I heard some folks behind me and I turned around and it was Stacy. And here she came. And how many of you know that you cannot stay sad around Stacy? If you can, you've got a hard heart, I'll tell you for sure. She came running up there, and she was just uh, uh, hugging people and loving people, and, oh, you're from Brother John's church, you're welcome here, and blah, 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 and all that. Do you remember that, Miss Stacy? Do you? I didn't get down the road very far at all. We left here and went up to Bell Rive to look at that building. We started up the road there, and, and I got questions from several people. They said, who was that girl? And I said, well, her name's Stacy, and, and uh, she's, uh, uh, she's, she was there when I got there, and she's still there, and, and uh, why, why do you ask? Well, I've never been around anybody like that. This one lady said, I've never seen anyone that happy in my life. 
Did you know you had that sort of effect on people, Stacy? You really do. Yeah. I've never seen anybody that happy in my life. She, she literally just lights up where she goes. She's a good illustration tonight. If you doubt me, strike a conversation up with her, and I promise you, you won't be sad very long. Amen? There's the light shines. I really believe that's what the Lord wants us to be. Such a light that people see us and they know for sure that has to be God. Now listen to two truisms. If you hear these, believe these, you'll leave this with something tonight that will help you. Number one, you cannot give out what you don't first take in. You can't put extra light into this world if all the light that you're holding is just enough for you personally. You can't give it out unless you first take it in. Number two, most Christians should be arrested for living without headlights. Living without light is like driving without headlights. I went the other day to get my truck inspected and I had some lights that wouldn't burn and they said, you can't have your license. You have to go get that fixed. You've got to shine your light. Wouldn't it be something if God said, if you're not shining your light, you're going to have to go in and get some things fixed. Well, I'm inviting you tonight to get some of those things right with God, to begin to shine that light. Parents, you need to be shining that light on your kids. Grandparents, shine that light on your grandkids. Kids, shine that light on your peers. Let them see Jesus in you. As a matter of fact, you tell them, hey, you, you need to come out to our church. we got a good-looking preacher that lets us wear bibs on Wednesday. Amen? Just, I, I, I mean, let them know who you are, what you're standing for. Shine the light. I'm going to invite you tonight, church, all of you, to do just that tonight. Ask God, make me the light and the salt of the earth that you said that I ought to be. Remember what the Lord said. You are the light of this world. If it's dark and you're around, you're a part of the problem. Love you in Jesus, but I hope tonight that you can shine the light. Let me, let me help you with something else. If you're lost, I don't know who is or who isn't. Some of you I have not even had a chance to meet yet, but let me tell you something. You don't have to leave here lost. You can leave here with the Lord in your heart. The Bible says very plainly in the book of John that you can know that you're saved. You don't have to guess. You can know it. So if you're not sure that you would go to heaven if you died, I don't care. You may have a membership here. You may have a membership somewhere else. You might have been baptized three times somewhere else. But listen, friend, what really matters is, do you have Jesus in your heart? You won't, you won't be salty, and you won't be able to shine the light unless you've got a grid to capture the power and then give it back out. The only way you do that is to ask the Lord into your life.